Welcome to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship for all who would stand for the Reformation of Christ Church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. Hello and welcome back to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Schell, and today we are going to be talking with Dr. John Evans, lecturer in Old Testament and Hebrew at Union School of Theology. Our conversation is going to range from uh, global theological education to great commentaries. And uh, so if you love either of those topics that are important to the pastor, to the scholar, to the student, and so I just know the conversation is going to encourage you. So let's jump right in. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the Reformation Fellowship podcast. Happy to be here. Yeah, so um, it's 3 p.m. your time, 9 a.m. my time. And um, I'm excited for our conversation. I wonder if we could start for our listeners, if you could introduce, um, introduce yourself, where you're at, uh, what you're doing those kinds of important details. All right. Well, happy to do that. Uh, I'm John Evans, living here in Wales on faculty at Union School of Theology. I am the newest member of the faculty here, and I teach Hebrew and Old Testament. I'm also doing some uh, some acting academic dean work for the school. Uh, where have I come from? Well, you can tell by my accent that I'm not a native Brit. I've got a a, a Welsh surname, but um, but I'm very much an American. Um, I've I've lived overseas for uh, over 20 years. After uh, doing some pastoral work in the United States, um, I served as um, as a missionary in Africa for about 20 years, mm. uh, working in theological education in Zambia and then Namibia and then Kenya um, at the last post where I was serving. Um, I was on faculty at Nairobi Evangelical Graduate School of Theology, mm. uh, teaching Hebrew and Old Testament and hermeneutics um, mm. to master's students and doctoral students. And I'm delighted to be here in Wales. Uh, um, delighted to be a, a colleague to a number of very, very fine, learned people who have a heart for God and a heart for his church. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. I, I know we have a, a few topics we want to chat about today, and I think I wonder if the best way to begin with those is to see is to hear a little more of your of the journey for you of maybe coming to Christ, sensing the um, the, the the direction of your ministry being overseas and in higher education. Um, would you would you give us kind of the the flyover of how how the Lord kind of directed you here and here and there and mm. and got you to the to Africa, into the work you, you've been doing, um, and then maybe we can land the plane back in Wales. And, and Okay, great. Yeah, 
So I I grew up in the home of a godly pastor, um, um, who himself was was the son of a Presbyterian minister. Um, but I always swore up and down that I'd never follow my grandfather and father into into the ministry. Um, but then God got a hold of me when I was 18 years old at boarding school in New York, and I was converted. And that very night that I was converted, mm-hmm. I had a sense that God would have me eventually serving in uh, pastoral ministry and also doing theological education. I even thought about Africa that same night, um, which was quite a quite a change. <laughs> I, I was thinking that uh, my my preference would be to study law and hopefully earn a lot of money and drive a little little red sports car and <laughs> but God God got a hold of me and uh, I I did train for the ministry and did pastoral work in the United States um, uh, and then I had the sense that God wanted me to be helping his church in Africa I remember a About 25 years ago, I heard the statistic that in sub-Saharan Africa, there were about about 600 churches for every Bible college or seminary trained pastor. Mm. And that gave me a real burden, a real sense of the need of the growing church in other parts of the world, and specifically Africa. But I didn't think that I had any business um, trying to trying to train people for the ministry if I didn't have any pastoral experience of my own. And so I, I did get some some pastoral experience um, and enjoyed that immensely. But then went, went off to Africa for for twenty years. My coming to Wales was a great surprise. I have lived in the United Kingdom previously, doing research in in Cambridge. But I never dreamed that I might ever be on the the faculty of a theological institution in the United Kingdom. I just never, never dreamed that that would happen. But there was a need here at Union, and one of of my friends, uh, whom I had first gotten to know in Cambridge, uh, Stefan Jenkins, who's on faculty here, mm-hmm. he, he let me know that, that there was this, this need on the faculty here. And he, he urged me to apply for the position, and I did. And fairly soon after that, within a couple of weeks or so, two, three weeks after that, I received an appointment to the faculty, and I moved here uh, in early 2022. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I feel, feel pr- privileged to be here. Uh, I've been enjoying Wales, enjoying, uh, uh, climbing the hills and, uh, walking along the, the, the rugged coast. Um, mm. It's a beautiful part of, of God's world. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, let's, um, if we could chat a little bit more about you mentioned the, the the need that you read about for theological education in Africa. Mm. Um, I wonder if you could give us a little bit, and, and maybe it's 
big picture and 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 quantitative maybe it's just anecdotal but do is that still something that's a need uh how how do you view the either the african need or the global need for theological education today yes the need is is still there um because uh, God is building his church in an astonishing way in many, many parts of the world. Well, he's building his church all over, but uh, it's, it's very evident that he's building a growing church um, and a church which is exploding in numbers, really, in mm-hmm. some, some other parts of the world. Um, yeah, so... Um, there is need to train people at at a number of different levels. Um, We need to be training pastors. We need to be training theological educators. We want to be training Bible translators because there are still languages where we don't have good, um, adequate translations of God's Word. Um, There are many parts in the world where there are um, where there are opportunities to do religious education teaching in in the schools Mm -hmm. and training teachers to be able to do that is 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 crucial. Um, Also, there are threats to the church. The cults are very, very active. Mm -hmm. I was frankly stunned by the fact in Zambia that um, that there was a higher percentage of Jehovah's Witnesses in Zambia than in the United States. Mm. A higher percentage of the population uh, adherents of the Jehovah's Witnesses wow. in the United States. Um, also the prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. which is no gospel at all, um, is being... Um, is is being such such a strong current um, within the churches um, and distracting people from from the historic gospel of 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 the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a, a friend in Burundi who um, was reflecting back uh, to the Rwandan genocide and. And uh, many in Burundi are Hutu and Tutsi as well. And, mm-hmm. um, and he, his comment was, we weren't, the church wasn't healthy. The leaders weren't theologically prepared. And so the church just in many ways joined in mm-hmm. with the cultural craziness of that day. And, and uh, he said, even today, as money pours in from the Middle East to build mosques to convert churches into mosques um we we're still not uh, we don't have an adequate depth to know why for some churches to know why you wouldn't just take money and convert your church into a mosque and uh, just start calling yourself Muslim. yeah and um yeah just uh the there there are obviously churches of depth, people of depth in, in all of these places, but the, mm-hmm. there's a staggering need um, 
is uh, is uh, is overwhelming when when you think about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would. Um, if our listeners don't know today, Africa is the continent with the highest number of Christians on the planet, uh, proclaimed Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, estimated by 2050 that half of all Christians will be African. Mm. And, uh, so whatever we may think of, of that, um, the future of the global church will have a distinctly African flavor, uh, distinctly African influence. And what a, what a need, what a time to, to come alongside of the African church and, and, and serve and, and equip and resource. Yes. Yes. I heartily agree. Uh, and I, I am deeply humbled by um, my opportunity over the years to, to train about 800 people on the African continent. Wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. Could I, could I ask you to share, is there one story you might share of, of something that, uh, uh, that you were able to observe or that you know that's going on there through, through those you've trained um, that, that encourages you for the, for the future of the church in Africa? I saw some students who joined the theological college at, at, as teenagers mm-hmm. eventually go on to earn uh, not only undergraduate degrees, but master's degrees and even doctorates. And they are, they are teaching in institutions around the world. Mm-hmm. That, that is a huge, huge encouragement. I, I firmly believe that when you're investing in people and God aims to use those people in the lives of hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people really, um, that, that effort in some ways is, is a whole lot more enduring um, in terms of the building up of the kingdom of God than the investment of, of, of money alone. You know, mm-hmm. when you're investing in, in, in people and God is at work in their, in their hearts, the, the reach that those people have and, and the reach of those who are trained by them and who are taught by them is just incalculable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if um, let's pretend for a moment, maybe, maybe one of our listeners is, um, is uh, finishing up a, some master's work, thinking about doing PhD work and wondering um, what, what he may do with, with all that learning. Um, and maybe to this point, they've, they've not thought about the majority world, thought about uh, places like Africa. What, um, what advice might you give Obviously, you'd want to get to know the person and <laughs> and under, understand uh, fit and personality and things like that. But just uh, when you consider the needs of a place like Africa, what kind of input might you give that person? 
I think I would give the council that um, it's it's good to be ambitious. I do I do believe that pursuing doctoral work is is a calling. That it's something uh, you should sense God leading you to. Um, uh, it's 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 punishing to work to work on degree after degree after degree. In 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 my family, we call it dying by degrees. <laughs> um, it 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 can be a, a, a punishing and most difficult um, experience to go through degree program after degree program, and there needs to be a sense of of God's call. I I think um, to that. And it's so important to pursue that for for the right reasons, um, not because you want to to be called doctor, mm. but because you want to serve the church. One thing that I really like about Union is the lectures here, uh, even those who are extremely productive. Uh, with regard to publications and who have a great deal of esteem in the theological world, um, we all go by our first names. Mm-hmm. Our students call us by our first names. <laughs> and I think that that's, that, that that's a good pattern to follow um, because it it emphasizes that we're all we're all brothers and sisters mm-hmm. we're all learning in fact the lectures the professors here uh, aim to learn from their students even as the students are seeking to learn all they can from from their lectures uh, the the philosopher nicholas wolterstorff um, who taught at, at Calvin for a number of years and then moved on to Yale University. He used to say that uh, in an academic community, everybody teaches everybody. Mm. I think that that's true. So p- pursuing pursuing doctoral work should be a calling. Um, it should be pursued humbly and with the right reasons, the right motivations. Um, definitely with a servant heart. Um, That's what I would emphasize. And I would also say that that the needs abroad um, are are oftentimes desperate and the rewards, even though there are risks in going abroad, the rewards are are beyond imagining. Mm. I, my family um, uh, faced faced a lot of dangers um, from crime and um, uh, road accidents, um, dangers from malaria. Um, Everyone in my family came down with with malaria, except for me. Um, surprisingly, um, there are there are risks, 
but the rewards are great as one as one does God's will. And to be frank with you, when I went off to Africa, even though I was aware of a lot of the dangers, I really did not feel afraid mm. because I knew that God God was in that. Yeah. Um, God, God was in the move there. God was in um, years of, of, of work, uh, ministry there. And I really did not feel, feel afraid. Yeah. Believing that I was in the center of, of his will. Mm. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for that, for sharing that. I wonder if we, um, might move to a related topic. We've been talking a little bit about higher education and nothing nothing says higher education, Christian higher education like commentaries, <laughs> biblical commentaries. And uh, <laughs> um, we know t- to the end of writing commentaries, there is no end um, or to the, how's the, how's the old saying go? Uh, to the task of writing commentaries, there is no end. Well, the writing of books, there is. Yeah. Okay. I, I've just applied it to commentaries. Yes, uh, you may. <laughs> well, um, you have spent several years um, writing on commentaries. Um, mm-hmm. Your. Uh, your guide to biblical commentaries and reference works is in its 10th edition. Um, and um, so that that's, that's years and years of work that you've put into this, uh, this guide. Oh, Could you over 30? Yeah. Wow. Over 30. Tell us how, how did that get started? What, what prompted that? And, uh, <laughs> and then maybe why, why keep going? <laughs> <laughs> I I am uh, keeping going on this particular project. Uh, I have actually been working on the eleventh edition today, uh, uh, due to be released by Zondervan in uh, in twenty twenty four. How how did I get started on this? Well. I was I was a library a, a student library assistant at at my seminary and some students would ask me questions about commentaries that were available um, I was I was an older student at that point um, uh, for further along in my seminary studies and they would ask me uh, what commentaries on Romans I might suggest to them as they were working on an exegetical paper. And I quickly gave them a long list just off the top of my head. And they would ask me, how do you know all these books? And I would say, well, I'm building my own library. Um, and I'm and I'm wanting to know where I would be wise to invest my money. Mm-hmm. I also want to be wise about where I invest my time as I'm writing exegetical papers for for my courses. And um, eventually, a couple of those students in my seminary asked me to write up a quick guide to Old Testament commentaries. There was a 
sheet of recommendations regarding New Testament commentaries that was being given out by by a new New Testament professor there, and they wanted something on the Old Testament. So I I wasn't taking any classes one January. Uh, it's actually 1989, a long long time ago, mm. and. I spent that January typing up a guide to um, to Old Testament commentaries and showed it to the students. They passed it on to the to the Old Testament faculty. The Old Testament faculty wanted it photocopied to be sold at cost in the bookstore, which was a big surprise to me. Mm. Um, and they wanted me to keep on keep on editing it, uh, and then I had an additional surprise, which was the New Testament professors at the seminary said, "It's not fair for you to do this for the Old Testament and not do it for the New Testament." <laughs> and I protested. I I said it would be a lot of work um, to produce a New Testament analog. Um, to what I've done, but they said, we really want you to do it. So I decided to work on that and was able to complete that um, when I was um, taking some some Master of Theology courses. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, the seminary faculty members were asking me for additional revisions years down the road. You know, I was off pastoring a church, and they were sending me requests. Ooh. So I kept on revising it. I needed a lot of encouragement. <laughs> Justin, <laughs> I needed a lot of encouragement, and they were providing it. So um, over the years, uh, as there were a lot of of comments made uh, that this is a worthwhile project, I I kept at it. Yeah. Now I'm working on an eleventh edition. Mm -hmm. It's 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 gotten it's gotten rather lengthy. Um, I'm thinking that that the eleventh edition is probably going to be something like 550, 560 pages. Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah well it it certainly sounds like a, a labor of love and, I, uh, I i really do want to bless the church uh through through the first through the first eight editions i never made a penny off of it i was just doing it for for seminary students doing it for for pastors um and it was always sold at cost out of the seminary bookstore, but then a uh, publisher asked to pick it up and it's been published um, formally since then. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned um, saving the student time, uh, <laughs> sa saving the pastor money. Yes. Um, what are some other uses as, um, as uh, as this eleventh one goes to go, goes to print and for twenty twenty four, what are your what are some ways that maybe uh, a student or a pastor or even a scholar could could use this uh, for for their ministry to to be a blessing? I have been surprised at the, at the number of of 
of lecturers, professors in different parts of the world who have found it really useful. Um, I, I, wrote, I wrote the guides for pastors and for students. In fact, the old, the old title of it was a guide to biblical commentaries for students and pastors. Mm -hmm. um, and I really have been surprised that though I never intended for scholars to be referring to it, uh, a lot of scholars do. Um, um, Bible college profs and seminary profs and even, even university lecturers and, and professors have found it useful. I think, I think that one of the real strengths of it is that you're able to look pretty quickly over maybe 10 pages, eight, eight to 10 pages, and see what is available. Uh, what are what are the leading reference works um, that that should be consulted? What has recently been been published? Also, another another valuable aspect of that guide is that I cite about ten or eleven thousand book reviews, Ooh. so that if somebody wants to 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 get a better idea of the value, the quality, um, the the audience, say, of a particular commentary work, they can look up the the reviews. Mm -hmm. And today, we're able to look up a lot of things online. Um, so it's it's even faster than the way it used to be, <laughs> hunting through through the stacks for the for the correct volume of a of a journal yeah um, so that that's also meant as something of a check to subjectivity because everybody has their own perspective their own likes and dislikes mm -hmm. their own preferences um their own quirks <laughs> i've got mine so mm -hmm. having having those those citations of book reviews, I think, is a help. Um, somebody can look up what what other people have said about a, a book. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I know there are a few other resources that are trying to do something similar. Would you, uh, just in terms of what you hope yours in particular does, is there? Um, uh, is there an, an easy answer to that? Um, hmm. you don't need to to unpack everything that someone else may do in their, hmm. their New Testament commentary uh, report, but um, what might be unique about this particular, particularly the eleventh edition coming out? We might yes, say. well, those those. Those citations of book reviews are certainly a, a unique uh, co contribution. No, no other uh, guide to Bible commentaries uh, does that. I think that a lot of my reviews are lengthier than what you might find in other other guides or surveys. Um, there are some some excellent surveys out there, um, and. 
I even encourage people to use more than one. Don't don't just rely on mine. Yeah. Look up what uh, what say Don Carson has to say about New Testament commentaries. Um, sure. Although his his uh, survey is is becoming a bit dated now, it's it's still excellent through and through. Um, um, so the length of of the reviews, I'm. I'm very, very eager to give guidance to 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 people at at different levels. So, uh, lay people are guided to commentaries and commentary series that would be especially suitable for their for their study uh, interests. Um, I've got I've got. Uh, codes which I use on these um, commentaries and series um, for uh, for recommending to to pastors, and I've got as well recommendations for those works that are more reference tools for advanced students and and for scholarly types. Mm -hmm. um, lengthy. Lengthy reference works that dig into not just the Hebrew and the Greek, but uh, dig into textual criticism and comparative Semitics and um, more more technical uh, poetic analysis, say with with the oracles, the the prophetic oracles of the Old Testament, or the Book of Psalms, or the Book of Proverbs, or the very difficult. Hebrew in the book of Job. Mm. So, John, over that 30 years of, uh, of work on, your, on the guide to the commentaries, I'm sure that scholarship has, has changed, Old Testament scholarship, just biblical scholarship. I, uh, I could be wrong, but it seems like there's just more and more and more resources, commentaries, reference works from more and more vantage points and um in different uh niches within academia and uh i wonder how have you seen that change and what's your real hope for uh, biblical studies for old testament studies as you think about where where things were 30 years ago to where they are today I am amazed at all the scholarship which is being published. Um, we are being swamped, and that makes my work of producing a guide to commentaries and reference works all the more difficult. We, we are absolutely being swamped. I, I think that what, what I am praying for and what I'm concerned about is, is for for Bible students to be, to be producing excellent, excellent material on the Old Testament, my, my field, um, which holds to the full authority of God's Word. Mm -hmm. Works, commentaries, which will strengthen readers' faith that God has spoken. Mm -hmm. God has spoken infallibly yeah. in, in the written word. He has spoken uh, with finality through, through his son, Jesus Christ. 
Mm-hmm. And that the scriptures are true. The scriptures have, have have told us everything that we need to know in order to live live a life for God, mm-hmm. pleasing to Him, the life of faith. Yeah, I I want I want people to come away from reading my scholarship with a greater confidence in the authority and the truthfulness of of God's word. And that that is my prayer. Um, I I want my students when they leave leave the lecture hall to come away with a with a greater confidence, mm. a full confidence in the authority of of God's word, and and a real joy that the God who has spoken the universe into existence by His powerful word speaks in His grace powerfully. Mm-hmm. to save sinners yeah. by his son jesus christ mm. amen mm. john thanks for that encouragement and thank you for joining us here on the reformation fellowship podcast it's been a, a delight for me and i know our listeners are going to be blessed well thank you for it, inviting me um it's been good to talk Thank you so much for joining us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. We pray that this time together has been a blessing to you. The Reformation Fellowship is a ministry of union. And so all that we do, we hope it helps you to delight in God, grow in Christ, serve the church, and bless the world. If that is your hope, that is your desire, then friends, welcome to the fellowship.